0: Hello, and welcome to the Digging Deeper podcast, hosted by ForConstructionPros.com, covering various aspects of the construction industry, including the equipment, people, companies, and associations making it all happen. I'm Jonathan, editor of Concrete Contractor Magazine. In this episode, we talk with Dan Feinblum, partner of HKA, and John Powlin, the principal of business development from HKA. HKA is a leading consultancy of choice for multidisciplinary expert and specialist services in risk mitigation and dispute resolution within the capital projects and infrastructure sector. Recently, they published their 2021 Crux, that's C-R-U-X Insight. This reports intelligence on projects across the globe on claims and disputes, allowing people, mainly us, to find out the primary is- what the primary issues were. They've run this report in years past, but what makes this year's Crux Insight a bit different is that it incorporates COVID data, so we get to see actual numbers on how the pandemic affected construction projects. Tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Great, great. Well, I, I head up marketing and communications for the Americas, uh, for HKA Global, and um, I, I am typically um, I typically handle doing um, the coordination for thought leadership pieces, uh, articles on topics that relate to construction, and uh, the, the crux the, our crux analysis is, falls squarely into that category. And I work with our experts like Dan Dan Feinblum, who is uh, a partner with HKA he's based in the in California and Dan is uh over over the the years has been one of our lead uh spokespeople for Crux he uh Dan and I have partnered on several um thought leadership pieces in various industries where we've applied uh the Crux data to uh to substantiate some of the points that we were trying to make so um you know we've we've utilized our own data in uh, independent um, pieces that were, you know, shared by uh, industry colleagues and things of that nature.
2: Sure.
1: So, so uh, Dan's really the star of the show today. I'm here <laughs> to kind of give you any background on the company. Um, I can give you a little. If if need if you if you need more background, John, on on what Crux is, um, I can give you a little, bit, a little bit of background as far as that goes. But so as far as how the data is used and and the and the um, the substance of of, of the analysis, I, I think Dan can give you a good picture of that.
0: Okay, great. Great. Dan, um, with that introduction, can you tell me a little bit about yourself as well?
2: Sure. So all the things that John said are true, uh, <laughs> okay. but I also have uh, I've been an engineer in the um, civil space uh, for almost 20 years or for over 20 years now. I started out designing roadways uh, back east uh when where i got into claims work uh almost 18 years ago in consulting work uh i actually started with hill hk's predecessor in the dc area and then worked my way up to uh now i'm a partner i I took a short leave and when i moved out west and uh and now i'm a partner in their los angeles office uh i'm a professional engineer Um, I have testified on delay, disruption, loss of productivity, uh, damages, uh, in some cases, standard of care. I have worked with contractors and projects of all different types. So some of them are concrete issues. Some of them uh, are pavement issues, uh, but almost all of them involve delay and disruption. So loss of time on the project. Um, I've also done risk assessment work, uh, which is I think what led to some of my interest in Crux because it, uh, Crux is very much something that I think contractors could rely on in doing risk assessments on their projects going forward uh, in terms of the data and and the findings of Crux. And uh, I think that's it. (laughs) I can give you more, but those are the highlights. Does Crux
0: stand for anything?
1: It, it basically, uh, you know, refers to um, the term you know, crux of the matter, the the core, but it, no, it, it actually refers that there's no, it, it's not an acronym. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Don's got it. But just the crux, it's the crux <laughs> of the situation, right? Sure. Sure. Creative.
0: <laughs> Now, part of this is um, I'd like to bring everybody up when they listen to this episode um, up to speed. Can you explain how the report defines dispute and disputed costs as far as construction projects go?
1: Sure, sure. Well, the the um, the premise of the Crux Report is really aggregating uh, all of the construction dispute cases and matters uh, that HKA is involved in. Globally, uh, in, in in an anonymous um, collective way. So you know we're involved in different types of disputes in different geographies with different market sectors, and we t- take that data you know, as we're involved in the disputes, and we collect information on the values of the projects, on the values of the disputes themselves, and the factors that brought about the disputes. And we've been doing this uh, since uh, 2018. So we have four years of data. So I, each, every year, the data gets more substantial and we have more and more projects. And this data, again, is used to collectively define in any given sector in aggregate, you know, what are the major causes of construction disputes? And then within our sample size, what are the, the, Uh, the the values of, of, of those disputes that in, uh, you know, in a, in a given sector, where are, where are we seeing more disputes in, in various regions or various sectors than others?
2: Sure. Sure. And I would just add to that, that we get to, uh, from the data, now that we're starting to have multiple years of data, we're starting to see trends um, year over year trends, things that change. So we can kind of start to look at those changes and and maybe, tie them back to things that are happening in the world, right, like COVID and and supply chain and things like that. And so you can see how uh, the data evolves or what the primary cause of disputes on projects are as different things are happening in the world.
0: There's um, intelligence from apparently more than 1,400 projects across 94 countries. Uh, do we know how many projects um, are in the U.S. involved in this data and uh, how are how is everything segmented?
2: We, sure. we'll, i
1: sorry, go ahead, Dan. I
2: was going to say, we, we do know there's 339 projects out of that list of projects that are in the U.S. And that's the U.S. proper. Uh, there are more if you incorporate all of the Americas uh the average that the total value of those projects is 312 billion dollars. Uh, so of that I think you said uh, just under two trillion 312 billion is in the US. Um, the average project is about a billion dollars. Uh, and our average dispute is, or average claimed amount that we're evaluating on these projects is approximately of about 60 million
0: dollars. 60 million dollars yes in, in for, that's the average for one claim that's across all of the, yeah across, across just the, the us the, just the us yes wow uh, can you give me like some context of what that means like a lot so many projects are can get that expensive but there's so many projects that are nowhere near 60 million dollars
2: well,
1: I would just say that um, given
2: our HK's role in the, in the world and our experience, you know, and in the US, we tend to work on larger projects as well as smaller projects. Um, I would say sometimes smaller projects have more of a tendency to be resolvable so they can have a, you know, they can settle them. Um, and sometimes there are projects that are just too big to settle. And so you get into claims and disputes and, when you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars of disputes, I mean, that's a, it does just takes one. I mean, we've had projects that are $600 million in disputes in the last six or seven years. And, you know, that it all factors into the average because those are all in this data. So certainly not all of our disputes are $59 million. I would say commonly typically between 10 and $30 million is pretty common. Um, But we do have the large projects that are several hundred million dollars. And obviously that skew your average a little bit.
0: Are there different types of contractors like segmented out?
2: No, we haven't really, this data isn't really segmented out that way. Um, We look at a project as a whole. OK, uh, so we, we can't go really and pull in, pull out the concrete portion of that project. Um, it would be a lot more data to do that, <laughs> um, because typically we're looking at the claims at the end. And let's say there, it's a delay claim. You know, we're looking at time or loss of productivity or uh, it, it, whatever type of claim may be the issue. The concrete is would just be one portion of that. So to segregate it out, it, it just doesn't. It doesn't, it's not practical and it's just not how the data is collected right now.
0: Sure. That brings me to my next question of how this data was actually collected. Um, Is it just straight on the claim, nice and neat, or were you, did you have to like survey these millions of contractors and what questions did you end up asking?
2: So being a global construction consulting firm like we are, this data actually comes from our internal projects or the projects that we've worked on. And so as and now as projects start, but as projects start and finish, a certain amount of the data is collected as appropriate. Right. There's some data that we won't know until the end. Uh, we collect that data and it goes right into the CRUC system. So it was essentially a series of internal surveys uh, where we were asked to fill in certain project information that we had about cases we were working on, and that information all got fed into the data set that became crux.
0: Sure. There was we, we mentioned earlier that um, HKA is usually an anonymous uh, in the whole process. Um, would a contractor even know that HK A is involved?
2: Well, it's not that HKA is anonymous. The contractor's data is anonymous in the system. So we, in the crux data, we don't specifically identify contractors. Sometimes there's privilege issues and we have to maintain that. When we work with contractors or on a dispute, one or both sides always know that we're there. We're not anonymous. What we do is to protect their their confidentiality, we collect the data on these projects but there's no project names associated with it. So I can't go in and say, tell me all the information about this specific contractor because that data isn't collected. So the data itself is anonymous. Sure.
0: Sure. And then I see there is an open invitation for professionals to collaborate with Crux and HKA. What does this collaboration actually entail?
1: The data by itself obviously has a certain degree of um, gleaning facts. I mean, the facts uh, based on what we're seeing are causation factors, are what they are because we're getting them directly from dispute in aggregate. Uh, but what we invite people to collaborate on is what does that mean and how does that relate to what they're seeing in the market? You know, how does that relate to uh, what, you know, owners see in terms of cost es- escalation? and how it's impacting their contracts, and what, uh, you know, what do, do owners and contractors um, and any stakeholder in a project need to be looking out for, uh, you know, given the, the current circumstances, and given the market that they're in, and given the geography that they're in, what do they need to be looking out for uh, in terms of, causation factors for disputes and how can and and then then that's where hka comes into play as far as well okay these are the factors and here's our recommendations on how you can best mitigate that risk um based on the factors that we're seeing in in our in our in our analysts or i'm sorry in our analysis rather
0: And Dan, can you talk to about how contractors can use the information found in the research? How should they apply this data to their own companies? And I understand that everybody's unique. It might be a different situation for everybody.
2: Sure. Well, as John said, I mean, the data is really guidance and it kind of identifies the key causation factors of what we see contributing to delays and big disputes and claims uh, in the construction. Uh, Industry. And so, by having this data, a contractor or an owner uh, can be more proactive in attempting to identify these risks. So, if you look at the causation factors and you say, Oh, here's the top five, have I thought about these top five risks as I'm planning my project? Um, And it's much easier to uh, adjust and fix things at the planning stage than when, say, when you're out in the field. And you'll see one of the Higher rated causation factors in the report is something like differing site conditions, which just means they go out and they work and then they hit something unexpected. Well, if you want to mitigate that risk, perhaps you go out and you inspect that, uh, you know, do more inspections ahead of time uh, and try to figure out what's in the ground so that you don't, you know, find that issue when you're digging the hole. And then that causes a long delay to the project while you figure out what to do. So the real benefit is having this data to be able to do a more proactive risk assessment that allows you to, uh, you know, try to avoid problems before they happen. You know, I think if all, if every project could go perfectly, it would be a wonderful world. But that's not not how it goes. So you try to manage that risk, and uh, and this this gives you insight by region and by type of project into the risks that are typically seen. So you can start to consider those in your planning purposes when when that impact is more manageable. So
0: like if there is a road construction for a major highway, like infrastructure project going on, um, walk me through how the contract will be clicking and looking into that data on that, the interactive launch tool, um, and then using the report.
2: Sure. Well, the report is a good starting place. You could read the report, look at your regionalities and see, you know, I think transportation infrastructure is one of the subcategories we have. So you can look and, and that's a good starting point. You can see the major causation factors uh, that we've identified for transportation projects in your area. And then you can look and say, okay, these are the top five things. Have I addressed these risks in my plan? Right. And that, that may be uh, contractual risk because things like COVID and supply chain issues now are requiring people to look at their contract and make changes before they issue the contract for how to deal with things like force majeure and cost escalation and things like that, which may not have been so forefront before because they weren't, you know, we didn't have COVID before. Sure. Uh, so making those adjustments in the contract, then you certainly can go to the website that's referenced in the report and we can get that for you if you want it. And that allows you to kind of Manipulate the data to another level. So if you want to see transportation projects in this area uh, at this value, you can you can do some more uh, manipulation and digging into the data. And then if you want to dig in even more uh, HK offers, you know, has has the data, more data than we can put on a website, let's put it that way, <laughs> and we can, we can help dig. And that's, you asked earlier about the cooperative process and the working together kind of on it. We can work with, and we've done this with, with owners and other contractors uh, to dig into the data a little bit more and kind of work on the trends. And then uh, kind of the key takeaway on any type of project is this data is there. If you, don't consider the data that it's not going to help you, right? Just reading the data and saying, okay, great, I read the data isn't gonna do it. You really have to, you know, kind of look and do an introspective type of review of your project and say, okay, have I really taken all the steps I can to manage this risk? Or have I factored in enough contingency in my time and my cost to account for these risks? Sure. Um, and that, you know, so that, that's kind of the process.
0: How much of a problem? I mean, maybe dollar, maybe that's what I mean by dollar signs, or just really just contextually, how much of a problem really was COVID?
2: It's an interesting question. I think if you read the report, you'll see, and I'm in California, so obviously in California, it's different than in other parts of the country where different things were put in place, um, and different requirements were put in place. I I find that COVID um, really exacerbated a lot of problems that were already in place, yeah. uh, design issues, lack of staffing, uh, supply chain concerns, things like that. They may not have uh, technology issues. They, they were all kind of brewing there under the bubble, under the, under the surface. And then COVID hit and um, you know, in California, I think construction was shut down for a total of three weeks. Uh, and that's probably the for many places. And then they got back to work. Um, and when they got back to work, all of these problems just became bigger because now the supply chain issues started to be big, you know, and it still continues to be a big issue. And so with supply chain issues, now you have cost escalation and you have delays caused by people not being there. There certainly was an impact by, by COVID, but... Um, I just I think it was on top of some issues that were already there sure. that, were, that were adding on to it. I'm not sure it's quantifiable yet. I, you know, COVID <laughs> was this year. Projects have to finish for us to see the disputes. I can certainly tell you that um, there were impacts to contractors of all types uh, that we've been working with. Um, some of the biggest impacts I saw during COVID, though, were the cost of lumber and materials, the average is that plywood and wood went up dramatically in the last year. Uh, it's leveled off a little bit. But um, again, the supply and demand issues and, and supply chain, so.
0: Definitely. Uh, it, I think that's one of the fascinating parts of all of this research is being able to see those issues like COVID and other dispute areas and actually see how many projects um, had those as an issue and then as a secondary issue as well. Uh, how can a contractor take a look at that and kind of go, okay, can I expect these problems in a new issue? It, if you just exclude COVID, you're just going to have to anticipate COVID being a a pain from now on, I guess.
2: Yeah, well, I, I would say next year uh, the report will start to see. I would expect we'll start to see more of COVID being a causation factor. But I think if you look at the general causation factors, for example, in the United States, change in scope is the number one causation factor. Uh, that has probably been the you know one of the top causation factors always on projects. Like you know, it's just something. It's uh, If somebody changes something, it results in a delay, it results in a dispute. Um, Was that change in scope because of COVID? Uh, We can't aggregate that yet. We don't know, we haven't, it's too new. Um, So I think if if folks wanna dig into the causation factors, again, the website or the report are the two uh, good places to start for that. Um, On the website, you can customize it a little bit to your region. Um, but I, I do think um we'll probably start seeing more about COVID next year. I mean, we're we're seeing some disputes. We're absolutely seeing disputes about COVID. We're we're seeing contractors start to take steps to protect themselves, issuing letters, uh, notice of cost escalation due to supply and demand in COVID. Um, but I do think that uh, to the extent that they do turn into disputes, it'll be that'll that that'll probably pick up. Next year, as the disputes start to work their way through the system. Sure.
0: sure. So this type of report, this all this research is done on a yearly basis?
2: Yeah, John, I mean, I we've done it four years now. And yep. so now we wow. actually have processes in place where we have to input the data for all these projects and it feeds right into it. So we've gotten more efficient on our own ends in terms of collecting this data. So it isn't typically a push at, there's always a push because there's people who don't fill out the data, but uh, at the end of the year, they they take the data that they have, whatever's missing projects where they're missing information. They send out a uh, request to those individuals to fill it out. It populates the system. And then we have a a crew of folks who uh, crunch data to, to put all this together. And then um, I didn't mention this earlier, but then what they do is we take that data, it's compiled by the data guys, and they put it in front of people around the world, myself included uh, in this report and say, well, tell us what your thoughts are about this data that you're seeing. And so when you read, for example, the section on the Americas in the actual crux report itself, that comes from interviewing 10 to 15, uh, you know, Practitioners in the in, in our company who um, who all have different perspectives. They're all across the country and, and, and different types of work, um, and so we kind of marry that our 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 experience with the data, and then they produce the report that puts that together. Sure, sure.
0: Aside from in you know we'll see COVID becoming a factor, a parameter for completed projects next year and the years following because these are multi-year long projects um, how do you you know after all of this data and all this research and you've analyzed it and you understand it um, how do you see construction the a construction industry looking like in 2022?
2: That's the $1 trillion question, right? <laughs> I um, had to ask it, man. I know you did. Uh, I think, uh, look, I think the construction industry is a ta- challenging one. I think that um, as an industry, it's, uh, we lack staffing and, and, and young people who are excited about becoming civil engineers. When I became a civil engineer, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, civil engineering schools are contracting and replacing their civil engineering programs with um, with other more glamorous, non-physical engineering, like uh, like uh, technology and computers and, and all these things where you can go make the, the big bucks. And so I, I think the uh, construction industry is looking at an interesting challenge. We're going to have an influx of all of this work. And we have a lot of folks that have been in the industry for a long time, and we're gonna have not just our COVID impacts and our, uh, and our um, supply chain impacts and the normal design issues, uh, you're gonna have a lack of people to do the work. I mean, a trillion dollars worth of work is a lot of work. And so I think that uh, my hope is that um, in the industry, and I know people are doing this, but even on the trade side, encouraging people to come and become civil engineers and, and, and you know get involved in this type of work because I think you, you gotta have people to do it, right? You gotta have people to design the roads, you gotta have people to design the buildings, you gotta have people to build the buildings and build the roads. And if you don't have those people, um, you can't do it. Or, or you get a lot of younger people who don't have the experience because you're losing the older generation. So in terms of construction, I see it being very busy. Um, how successful construction is over the next few years is really going to determine on our ability to continue to expand the business, right? You can't, you can't, or expand the, um, the industry, you can't continue to do the same amount of work or even more work with the same amount of people, right? Yeah. Sorry. So, yeah. So, but I think it's, it's a great industry. I don't think we're, um, I don't think we're going anywhere. Um, and I think there's going to be a ton, ton of work going on unless cars start flying and they don't need roads and we don't need airports anymore. But, um, I do think there are some specific challenges that, that we're looking at that aren't new challenges, but when you throw a trillion dollars plus whatever else may come down the line, um, onto the fire, now you you're kind of exacerbating some of the staffing and supply and, and other issues that, um, that I think are going to be the real challenges of future you know, next year and beyond, to be honest.
0: Trillion dollars, you're referencing the infrastructure bill. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think That's a lot of I, work. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the interesting factors um, going forward is while there is a labor shortage and there's going to be a need for a lot of workers out there, there's a, so many tools and equipment that have been, for lack of better words, upgraded in modern times with new engineering and new technologies to do the job safer. So should these inexperienced workers be afraid of backbreaking work that it was in the 1950s, 1960s, heck 10 years ago, it's you know still going to be hard, but just you're not going to injure yourself as easily i guess
2: <laughs> right. well, obviously worker safety has been a big issue and, and it's come a long way uh since the 50s and the, the when you know you see the stories of people building dams and the dams becoming part of the dams right The people becoming part of the dams and the structures because uh, the safety isn't there um i think there are issues it's not so much that people don't want to work hard and don't want to get dirty. I think that there are a lot of pressures in the construction industry. And by construction industry, I'm including the design side to keep costs down, which is whittling margins down, which makes it hard to compensate people in a way that they that encourages them to come into the industry. Um, and so I think um, it's less about people being concerned about working hard. I think actually working in construction, if you work on a you know, equipment operator, there's some very good opportunities for people to make uh, good compensation. But I think um, it, it's challenging to convince people to do it in the first place because it's not a glamorous, you're not, there is no, uh, <laughs> you talk about technology and, and soft, you know, software, which is the and data, which is the um, the big to-do today. There's tremendous upside in those industries, or at least they form, they they present themselves as having tremendous upside, sure. right? We that's uh, civil engineering and construction slow and steady, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so
0: so we we spoke to about this report and an interactive version of it online. Where can listeners find uh, these?
2: Sure, sure. So uh, if you go to our website, hka.com, there'll be a link to uh, Crux right along the top of the page uh, that will take you to the page that has the dashboard on it, as well as a copy of the report, I believe. Uh, and the interactive data is actually at hka.com slash crux dash interactive dashboard. So a long name. So it's probably easier just to go to our homepage and click on Crux to get there. Sure. Um, and when you go there, you'll see, you can sign up to, uh, get communication in terms of when, how we update, you know, when we do updates, you can be on a mailing list. So when new data comes out on an annual basis, um, you'll get emailed that. And so you'll be in the know. So. Sure. And finally, Dan,
0: um, I'm curious what brought you, you started your career with road design, I believe, uh, what brought you to that?
2: Uh so I grew up as a civil engineer I basically I mean my I grew up with a family that of geotechnical engineers and so I went to school uh, as a civil engineer and uh through that process I decided I wanted to be in the transportation side of things the, the roadway side of the business um and then that's just I, I was there for a couple of years went back and got my master's degree and while I was there, a uh, master's degree in project management, which was kind of always my ultimate goal. I wanted to be managing big projects. And uh, I was in class with a former colleague at, at Hill International and uh, said, hey, I want to be a project manager. And they said, no, no, you want to come work in disputes. Disputes are where all the action is at. And uh, that was 18 and a half years ago I've been doing this now. So um so I like it because um, it's challenging. I see lots of projects in a given year. Um, and to me, each of these projects, trying to figure out what happened is like putting together a puzzle. And so it, uh, it helps me. Um, I like the mental challenge of it, let's put it that way. Um, the roadway design, nothing wrong with that. I just, after a few years of doing it, I determined that was not really where I ultimately wanted to be. and. Uh, here I am 18 years later. That just about does it for this episode.
0: Thank you again to Dan and John of HKA for taking the time to talk with us. Tune in soon for another episode of the Digging Deeper podcast by 4 Make sure to subscribe and share. Until next time, stay safe out there.